Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me for episode one of the Spirit Speaks podcast. My name is Veronica Giamanco, and I am just so happy to finally be doing this. I have talked about starting a podcast for over a year now, and about Four months ago, I decided I was going to go ahead and do it, and I recorded an episode one. I was posting about it on social media, and then it just kind of became something that wasn't my priority, (laughs) and I put the idea on the back burner, and it wasn't until this past week that I said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to make it a priority to get this set up. I decided to re-record the entire episode and just have it be more authentic. Um, Initially, when I recorded episode one months ago, I was just so much of a perfectionist at that point. Um, You know, I've done some inner work recently and, um, you know, just kind of going back to the original recording, um, everything was just so (laughs) controlled and prim and proper and I had like scripted the whole episode and... I just said, you know what? Screw it. I want to just say what I want to say and I don't care what anybody has to, you know, say about it. Um for me, it's just I want to get my message out there, be authentic to who I am. And I've learned to not have everything so controlled and not everything has to be so perfect. And the thing is, I think a lot of times we actually hold ourselves back from, you know, doing the things that we want to do just because we're waiting for that moment of that perfect opportunity to come up. But, you know, in reality, that perfect moment never actually comes and it's never going to happen for you unless you just jump in and do it. So here I am just jumping in and doing the damn thing. So I'm really excited. Um, I think that it's really important for me to start with uh, who I am so that you guys get to know me and what my background is and how I even got to this point. So, um, you know, what I want to do very quickly um, before we kind of just jump in and get started I kind of just want to take a moment to ground myself and I ask that you please join me if you're able to, if you're driving and listening to this, please make sure that you're paying attention to the road. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so if you have the opportunity to kind of just briefly just close your eyes and just take a moment of silence with me, be present with me. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have a voice and I'm grateful for each and every single one of you who is supporting me through this journey and I'm just very happy to have the most aligned individuals who have truly just supported my journey this entire time and I know that many of you who are listening to this now have been here since the very beginning and I am forever grateful And I would like for all of us to go ahead and just take a very deep breath in. And exhale. Thank you, God. Thank you, source energy, spirit, the creator. However it resonates for you, whatever you believe in. I ask that you please provide us all here this evening with 
a lot of love, fill us with joy, bring peace to us. And I hope that each and every single one of you can take something away from each and every single one of these episodes. All right, so I really wanted this episode to be about my early beginnings and to talk about my initial spiritual awakening, the awakening that started it all. I want to take it far back as I can to the very beginning so that you guys get to know me, get to understand who I am as a person. And I think it's important because a lot of the experiences that I have had, I think a lot of people can resonate with. And I've reached a point where I'm not ashamed of where I come from and, you know, the things of my past. So I'll be as open and honest as I possibly can with respecting the privacy of others who have been on the journey along the way with me. And that's something that you will truly see me doing my best to do is being respectful. Whether I've had good or bad interactions with you, you have been a major part of my life in some way. This goes for family, friends, and just people that I've interacted with over the years. I will never speak negatively or ill about anyone on the journey. I'm going to remain respectful of everyone's identities and, you know, the information that I share so that I'm not sharing anything outside of what is of my experience and my journey. Another thing about me is um, you'll hear me pause a lot. I truly try to practice thinking before I speak, thinking before I say something. I try to be very intentional with my words. So I tend to pause a lot or I tend to just kind of go silent so I can kind of allow the information to channel forward before I say it. If you know anything about astrology, I would like to share that Mercury, which is the ruler of communication, my Mercury sits in Gemini on my birth chart. So I kind of have a tendency of bouncing around, doing a whole lot, talking about this, 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 and this, and I'm everywhere. So please be patient with me as I tell my story, because I'm sure I'll end up jumping from timeline to timeline, and I don't want to confuse anyone, but I'll do my best. (laughs) But... I will jump in on whatever comes to me. So, me as a person, who am I? I am a quantum life coach, spiritual life coach, whatever you want, however you want to look at that. I am a Reiki master. I am an Akashic Records reader. I have studied astrology and I read birth charts. I also am an intuitive reader. I channel spirit and I read tarot. I do a whole lot. (laughs) So sometimes people will ask me, what is your niche? I'm like, what niche? I do it all. I am literally embodying 
Gemini energy when it comes to my career, which is funny because again, if you know astrology, my MC is also in Gemini and I'll talk about more of that later, but I was born May 18th of 1994. So I'm 29 years old. Yay. Currently going through that whole Saturn return energy. It's just been so pleasant. (laughs) Um, I'm a Taurus sun, Virgo moon, and Virgo rising. So I tend to be very earthly and very... I always like to consider myself just very out there because... I have so many earth elements in my chart that I truly just embody that of a hippie sometimes. <laughs> um, for those of you who love angel numbers and numerology, I was born at exactly 2.22 p.m. Crazy, right? Can't get any more divine than being born at exactly 2.22. I was raised... In the San Fernando Valley. Born in Mission Hills. And uh, spent my childhood into my later teens. Living with my family. In a very tiny apartment. I think now it was probably anywhere between 700 to 800 square feet. Two bedroom, one bath. Uh, My mother was a single mom raising four children all by herself. Uh, My two older siblings had a separate father from myself and my younger sibling. Neither father were very involved in our lives. My mom did it all. She took care of us and she also had a very difficult life. Had a very difficult upbringing, which took me many years to kind of truly understand her. Because for many, many years, I think I resented my mother. And it wasn't until I became more spiritual that I realized that she had it hard. And I had to be compassionate with her as well. I truly believe that when we come into this world, my belief is that we sign a soul contract. We agree to take on all of the experiences. We have soul contracts with people. And we choose who we get born to. And now as an adult... I can see why I chose my mother. I have learned my strength from her. And I think as an adult that finally reached a point in life where I'm not going to let anybody walk all over me. I truly embody that from her. So I am forever grateful for that. She had a very difficult upbringing. They were a family of 11 children. My grandfather 
served in World War II. And it was tough because the household was ran just like the army. They experienced a lot of what I look at now as trauma in terms of, you know, how they were treated. I don't think at the time, at that time, parents were really conscious about showing love to their children. I think it was pretty much like, hey, we're all just trying to survive and I provide for you and that's sufficient. So I think looking back, because this is going to be a big topic that I hit later on. Looking back, I can see where it was very difficult for her to come in as a mom and how it may have been difficult for her to show true affection and love to her own children. So, grew up in a family of four children, speaking of myself now. My mom was a single mother. She worked in corporate. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I can't remember the full story of what exactly she was doing in those earlier years. But I know she worked a lot. And she had to. She had four kids to support. She was a young woman making a lot of money at the time. So things were always very comfortable. And I remember her telling me stories about like, you know... Just her buying all kinds of cars and having all of my older siblings' clothing custom made. And my mom was really out there with the way she dressed as well. Like always had matching suits and everything always had to be matching. So if she had a blue suit on, she had the blue eyeliner and the blue eyeshadow to match, right? And the blue shoes. And I remember... I remember my mom having like over 300 pairs of shoes. It was crazy in those early years. And then life happens, right? Nothing lasts forever. My mom at the age of 38 years old had two ruptured aneurysms, brain aneurysms, and a stroke. And it almost killed her. I don't know if this is accurate to say, but I believe all four of us at the time, including the two older siblings, obviously, I'm pretty sure we were all under the age of 18 or at least the older one was just about 18, which is pretty scary when you're a woman who's a single mom and you have four kids to take care of and suddenly you have a doctor in your face telling you you have a 50-50 chance of making it alive after surgery and coming out with no Issues. I remember the, the main thing was they told her that she may not recover her eyesight after the surgery, which was a big deal. So that was pretty much the start to the end. Um, my mom had a lot of complications over the years with her health because of the surgery. She wasn't able to work after a certain point, And that put us in a major financial hole. We were living, truly just living day to day, like day to day trying to survive. We never had any money. I remember, I remember always hating the beginning of every school year because I knew, you know, 
We needed clothes for the school year. We needed school supplies. We needed new backpacks. We needed new shoes. And I dreaded it because I knew we didn't have the money and it sucked. And I remember every time we needed something, it was an argument between my mom and my dad because my mom would have to ask him, you know, to offer some kind of support. And he was at first until he started having more children. And then it all kind of just spiraled out of control where he just didn't want to, he didn't feel like he had a financial obligation after he had more children. Mind you, um, before my mom met him, he had already had three older kids. Then come along myself and my younger sibling. And then he decided to have, I believe, three more after that. So yeah, he wasn't the smartest. And I just remember everything always being an argument. And it's so fucking sad now. But I remember some of my earliest childhood memories are of my younger brother who was like four or five at the time, who would pick up the phone and call my dad and be like, where's my check? I need my check because we need food. And it's funny now, but it was pretty sad to see a young kid at that age picking up the phone and addressing his father by his first name and saying, I need my check because he knew from, you know, we saw my mom constantly trying to fight my dad for child support and trying to, you know, get him to just get us whatever it was we needed. Um, life growing up was difficult because, again, we were dirt poor. We were living off of food stamps and even then the food stamps were not sufficient because there were several of us in the household. Then there were a lot of grandchildren in the household (laughs) um and my mom was just doing her best to try and take care of everybody I remember being very shy when I was little I didn't have very many friends and even when I did make friends they were always very deep connections I didn't have very many friends to begin with because I was always teased and bullied for my weight. I was always the fat girl. I was always bigger than everybody else. And I was teased for that. So I remember just being very quiet. And I was always just, I didn't speak unless spoken to. And I'm still kind of that way now as an adult. I try not to be. But I think that's just, you know, I've always just learn to keep to myself and try to make myself as in as in uh, how do I want to say this as invisible as possible because I didn't want to be seen because I was afraid of being made fun of like I said um it was just really tough but some of my early experiences with spirits started about Five, six years old, I can remember certain things, just remembering seeing people, shadows, hearing voices, feeling energy, and not knowing what it was. I remember also just having a very good intuition as a child of like, even just with um, having an inner knowing of adults that I did or didn't want to interact with or people that I did or didn't want to interact with, I kind of always knew like, oh, 
something tells me like that lady's mean or that person's a bad person and I should stay away from that person. So intuition kicked in really young for me. I remember some experiences as well because like I said we grew up I grew up living in an apartment as the apartment next door to us was off and on always vacant and I can remember when there were times that it was vacant I would hear footsteps or people running around or people laughing or just hearing people like commotion and I'm like how is that possible when there's nobody living there and then I would remember conversations of hearing my mom discuss you know the same thing like I would hear her telling others like did you hear that like it literally sounds like somebody lives in there and there's nobody there my mom was very intuitive and I'll get into this later but um she was never interested in in honing in on her intuition and practicing her gifts or developing her gifts um I just kind of remember growing up being very intimidated by everybody always being very scared I will be careful with how I say this. I had a lot of childhood trauma like the rest of us do. I think we all have something in childhood that traumatizes us into adulthood. The interesting part is my own trauma didn't come from my parents. It wasn't like, oh, you're, my parents were abusive and my parents didn't love me and they mistreated me. It wasn't anything like that. A lot of my experiences growing up were at the hands of other people. Uh, living under the same roof as us. Again, I'm being very careful with um, just being respectful of others' privacy. But, you know, um, we witnessed a lot of domestic violence in the household, a lot of abuse, a lot of drug use as well. And um, my mom was very headstrong. My mom was very, you know, big on making sure that she kept us safe. But at some point, you kind of lose control when you kind of depend on other people to come together and, and make sure that the rent is paid and the bills are paid. So it was hard. There were a lot of times where we had no electricity, no running water. It was really embarrassing at the time. But now thinking back on it, I'm like, holy shit, like we lived a pretty fucked up life. I can remember not having any running water sometimes or... um we definitely never really had warm water on a consistent basis or hot water. We got the gas turned off on us a lot. So we did a lot of cooking on electric burners. I remember my mom would fill like big soup pots with water and she would boil them on the on the stovetop when we had gas or um, no, that wouldn't make sense. <laughs> she would boil them on the electric burners, right? And that's how we took showers in warm water. We would literally take these big ass pots into the shower with us. And um, that's how we showered. Scary to think. And I remember we never had cable. And if we did, it was because we were stealing cable off of somebody else in the building. Never had internet. I remember a couple of times we went through like months and months of not having electricity. And I remember we lived on the second floor and we like lived pretty close to like the electrical for the, the pool that we had in the building. And I can remember like them hanging this big long cord from like my bedroom window into the little pool area where the electrical outlets were inside of the pool house. 
And that's how we got electricity sometimes. Because then we had like a million extension cords running through the home just to get lighting or enough whatever. Just, you know, to run a TV, to run the lights, to run the stove top burner, to run whatever. It was a pretty shitty way of growing up. And it was hard because there were several children in the home, several adults, and um, we were going nowhere fast. (laughs) But um, yeah, it was hard. And I can remember just always feeling really sensitive to everybody's energy. So as someone who is that young, who had spiritual gifts developing, who had very very deep sensitivity to everyone around them. It was very hard growing up in that environment. I can, you know, remember just fast forwarding years on. I mean, truly nothing changed from the early years to the late teens until I, uh, you know, started doing things for my own, uh, on my own as an adult. One of my, um, This is something that's really important that I want to talk about. One of my very first experiences with spirit was actually the angel of death, believe it or not. And I didn't learn about that until years later. I remember being about the age of... Now, mind you, again, I knew I was... I knew I had something different going on in terms of like... Why do I hear these things? Why do I see these things? Why do I feel these things? But it it didn't dawn on me as being something real until this experience. So I can't remember an exact age, to be completely honest with you, on this story. I want to say that maybe I was probably around eight or nine. I remember being asleep on the couch because trust me, there was several of us living in that apartment building and several of us had to sleep on the couches, on the floors, there's people everywhere. And I remember sleeping on the couch one night and I remember just randomly getting up in the middle of the night and I turn around behind me and I suddenly see this black shadowy figure man standing there staring at me. Were any of you WWE fans or wrestling fans such as myself growing up? Because if you were, how many of you remember The Undertaker? And do you guys remember when he would come out like and do his little intro? He would come out with like, you know, the lights all dimmed out and he would have his black boots on and he would have all black, his black trench coat, his black hat and the gloves. That is to a T what I remember seeing. Like, that's the figure, right? Like, he's dressed just like that. He looks just like that. And I remember vividly his face was skeletal. And he had this white light behind him and it was like glittery. And I can literally still see it like as if it's in front of me now. And I could remember like not being sure if I was dreaming or if I should be scared or what the hell I was seeing. And I remember just being like, (laughs) turn around V and go back to sleep. And I did. But I remember like it was weird. I just knew something was weird about it. A couple nights later, I hear 
one of my siblings talking to my mom and she's hysterical and she's telling my mom about this thing that she had seen in the apartment and she didn't know how to bring it up to her. She was scared. She started having some spiritual. Now that I'm looking back at this, I'm realizing it was, uh, she was experiencing spiritual attacks. Um, and I remember her telling my mom like, Hey, I saw this, this, and this, and this is what he looked like. And I remember her briefly kind of just describing him. And my mom chimed in and my mom was like, Oh my God, I saw this too. And my mom starts describing him a little bit. And she's like, was he, you know, this, this. Okay. So at this point I'm like, Oh my God, what I saw was real and they saw it too. So it is definitely real. And I remember walking into the room and saying like, Hey guys, did he have a black hat on? And did he have this on? And I just kind of chimed in with my own detail. And I remember my mom and my sister just looking at me and they were like, Oh my God, you saw it too. And here's the funny part. Later on, my mom had heard that our next door neighbor was gossiping about my mom to one of the downstairs neighbors and she's telling the downstairs neighbor she has a man that she sneaks in every night at 3 a.m and we see him walk in and he's like six foot something and he's a big man and he, he dresses in all black and she sneaks him in every night so we at this point when my mom heard that we were kind of like oh my god whatever this is is like literally visiting us and the neighbor described seeing a man walking through the door every morning and um I think at some point my mom confronted the neighbor and my mom was like have you ever actually opened the curtain to see this man walk into my my apartment because she was like giving full-blown detail like telling the neighbor like yeah she lets him in and I I I hear her open the door and she lets this man in every night and my mom was like have you ever actually opened the curtain to see me letting this man in and this lady was like no my mom was like okay so then you probably shouldn't be talking shit but we were all kind of scared trying to figure out what this was well fast forward a couple of weeks later it comes back again and this time I remember hearing my mom get up and my mom is like yelling at this thing and my mom was like you don't belong here you don't belong here you need to go back to wherever you came from and literally this motherfucker literally just like got up and walked right out the front door and never came back I ended up describing this story to somebody, um, a spiritual practitioner, uh, a couple years back who was like, you realize that was the angel of death, right? Now that I'm older and now that I realize a lot of the um, events that have taken place in my life, I'm like, oh, this makes sense. This makes perfect sense. That was my very first experience with a spirit and it scared the living shit out of me. Like I said, even today, and as I'm talking about this, I can still vividly see it in front of me and it's scary and it's giving me chills. And for those of you listening, I want you to know, like, there's no negativity coming from this story. There's like this, it wasn't like this bad black thing. You know, I think there are so many different stories about what the angel of death is. Um, for me, I truly took it as a warning of you're visiting me at this age. And I know you are trying to tell me that I'm going to go through a lot in life. I honestly took it as 
it was this spirit coming forward and warning me about a lot of pain and heartache that I would have in the years to come. So again, that was my very first spiritual experience. Um, fast forward many years down the line. Um, I am living in Granada Hills with family. I just graduated high school. And, you know, I just, I said to myself, like, I can't live like this. Like, I need to make the, I need to take the initiative to just go out and look for a job. I always wanted to go to college. I always wanted to study something within the field of science. And to be completely honest with you, once I turned 18, I was like, you know what? I I don't have that option. I need to go to work. I need to get out of, you know, the situation that we're in because we basically went from one shitty situation to another shitty situation. And, um, I said to myself, I need to get out of this. So I began looking for jobs, got, um, you know, thanks to a family member. I got my first job and I'm forever grateful for that opportunity because it has molded me. It has truly, that job meant the world to me. I was 18 years old working for a mortgage company and making $11 an hour which is laughable now, right? At the time, that was a big deal. And that $11 an hour meant the world to me because that $11 an hour helped me take care of my mother and my younger sibling who was still under the age of 18 and needed care for. And like I said, my mom wasn't able to work. So I had a lot of responsibility on my shoulders at a very early age. I remember that as I started working and interacting with more people, I started developing anxiety. I started developing depression. I started realizing that my intuition was really kicking in and I would see things before they would happen. And it was starting to freak me out a little bit because even though, again, growing up, I knew I had these gifts and these abilities. It wasn't anything that I played on or it wasn't anything that I was interested in learning more about because of the fact that I grew up in a very Roman Catholic church family type thing where, you know, we went to church every Sunday and we did things based off what the church, you know, preached. And the church always said that psychics And anything of spiritual nature and connecting with spirit was the devil's work. It was witchcraft. It was bad. It was demonic. Demonized it, right? Meanwhile, in reality, we all know what the church is nowadays. But they demonized the shit out of spirituality, right? So um, when I started coming around and talking more about like spiritual abilities and my interest in psychics. I remember my mom like immediately trying to nip it like right, right where I was starting. And she was like, no, like this is not happening. Like absolutely not. So I didn't have her support much on it. And you know, to be completely honest to this day, I don't think she's fully on board with it, but it kind of is, it is what it is because I'm, I'm doing it and I'm living it right. Well, I'm 18 years old. I get my first job. I'm working and I'm making money. And I remember, um, and again, this is 2020. No, this is 2012. 
And there's a couple of significant stories that come along with my first job. Because with my first job uh, came my gateway to spirituality because it gave me the money that I needed in order to start talking to certain people to help me understand myself better. I met my husband through my first job who has also played a very significant role in my life. And I had my first true, true, deep spiritual awakening at this age as well. I started kind of going through a crisis between 18 and 19 where I was just like, who am I? What am I? What are we all doing here? This is all not real. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, how did we get here? Why did I go through the traumatic experiences that I have gone through? And mind you, by the time this came, I had already been traumatized completely from my childhood. And at this point, I'm just trying to find myself. I'm trying to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing. And I remember just like my spiritual awakening was really hard. It wasn't like, oh my God, it's so beautiful and blissful and there's love and there's light. Mine felt at the time um, pretty dark. I truly felt like I was going through some kind of crisis. My depression and anxiety got so bad. I remember just contemplating suicide and it's hard to look back now and, and to say that out loud because who wants to admit to that? But it's the truth. It was a part of my story. And I think in so many ways, I was just kind of overwhelmed by energy before I knew what energy was. And I didn't know how to handle interacting with people. And I was just struggling. So around, and again, this was coming through in the form of like an, a mental and emotional crisis. And I just remember locking myself in the bathroom all the time and just being in the shower and just constantly crying because I just, I knew, here's the thing. I think we can all sit here and say, I knew I was special. And it wasn't even like, oh my God, I'm special. I'm the chosen one. It was like, I know I'm here to do something big and I don't know how to translate this over. I don't know what that is. I don't know what I meant to. I don't know why I was brought here. And it was very hard for me. Like I said, I just got to a point where I didn't even want to live anymore because I just felt so confused and conflicted by what was going on around me. And that's how my first spiritual awakening happened. Like... My first spiritual awakening came through in the form of uh, anxiety and depression. (laughs) Um, I'm going to take a sip of water. I saw my first psychic. I remember this. I was turning 19 and I saw him the day of my birthday. At this point, it was kind of like, okay, I'd been working for several months. I had a little bit of extra pocket money. I'm going to go pay for a psychic reading. And I remember him charging me exactly $45 for um, a 30-minute reading. And it was a psychic reading, no tarot involved. And this was a man. And I remember him, I remember driving by his little shop because he was only about two minutes down the street from us. 
And I remember stopping in. I called the number and he told me he was inside and to come inside. So I came in and I was blown away. I was blown away because I was not familiar with psychics. I didn't even really truly know what a psychic was. I just knew that I needed a psychic reading. And I saw this guy and he gave me the most accurate reading ever. He picked up on so much that I was just like, oh my God, like I, I don't want to say I was like love bombed, but that's what it was like. That's what it felt like. You know, when like we talk about, you know, on social media about, um, you know, the tendency of people love bombing you and just like, that's like that feeling that you get, right? You're just like, oh my God, this person loves me and they treat me so that was like the, um, feeling that I got with just this reading, like, oh my God, this man knows me. He sees me for who I am. Boy, was I stupid because as, look, I'm going to be honest with you. This guy was very talented. This guy was very intuitive. His gift was amazing, but him and his wife were not using it for the highest of good for others, which I don't think very many psychics or intuitive readers actually do, especially back in those days. Um... I remember him offering to work with me and he promised me so many off the wall things that I'm looking back now and I'm like, were you really that lonely and that desperate that you fell for half that shit? Like, I remember him being like, I can make you seem more attractive to people and people will, people, you'll lose all this weight from my candle work and you're going to see that all this money's going to come in. Yeah, I was that desperate. I was just looking for somebody to help me. So yeah, I fell for it. And I can remember not having much of any kind of money. So I remember I basically became this couple's bitch. Like I became their chauffeur. I was driving them around everywhere, doing errands for them, taking the wife shopping every time she needed something. I was driving. I was basically, I was basically her fucking car service. And the way they were looking, they were like talking to me was like, oh, well, instead of charging you money, we will just have you work it off. And boy, did they work me. And I remember I knew it didn't feel right. I knew it felt wrong, but I was just so desperate to be accepted somewhere and to be understood somewhere and for somebody to be willing to teach me how to hone my spiritual abilities that I, I pretty much went, you know, doing this for like a year. And then I remember it got to a point where like I was actually paying these people a lot of money. I remember it was like, you know, like if I got like uh, my tax refund every year, like giving my whole tax refund to these, these people, it was pretty bad. And looking back now, like I'm super embarrassed to even admit that, but it's the truth. It happened to me and it's a part of my journey. So I'm going, I'm going to talk about it. So I was scammed by these people until I think it finally just reached a point where I was so overwhelmed. I'm like, you know what? You guys are just lying to me and everything that you guys have said to me that would happen hasn't happened and I can't do this. And I remember it was funny too because I remember the wife was picking up on my vibe already. She was like, I think she already kind of knew where I was just reaching a point where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? And I remember coming over one day and she like called me out on it. She goes, 
I'm sensing that you're questioning us and I am sensing that you're feeling this way and I'm sensing that you really just want to disconnect from us. But, um, you know, you need to... I what did she I don't even remember what the conversation was she was just kind of like telling me like I need to focus on myself like all the things that she kept telling me were going to happen um didn't happen because I was not there yet and that so uh whatever I kind of played it off I was like oh you're right you know I'm just overthinking blah 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 blah, blah. walked out that day and never looked back and I remember them constantly calling me and calling me and the scary part was I remember one day walking out of the house And I'd seen this guy driving around the corner of my house, like just scoping the house out. And I'm like, what? Because again, I was local. They were local. And at the time um, we were living in a corner home. So like I remember parking my car like out in front of the house. And I just remember one day walking out and I'm like, what the fuck? Like he literally just drove by. It was scary. I was I was scared. Because I was like, what are these people capable of? They're over here, like, scoping out the house. But it, like, they never, after I blocked them, it never went anywhere. Never heard from them again. Mind you, this man was like, this man was definitely super unhealthy. So it's not like I had anything to be fearful of in terms of him harming me. It was just very scary. But... I'm going to end this episode here and we will continue by doing a part two and talking about the awakenings that continue to happen.